0: I'm Adam Blottenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast.
1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on The Diesel Podcast. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Lenny Reed, the owner of Dynamite Diesel Products, and he's going to be giving us a recap of 2021 and the goals that he had set forth at the beginning of the year with um, machines and just technology and the efficiency and being able to offer the highest quality injectors that have ever been possible in diesel we wanted to catch up with him on that see if he reached his goals some new goals that may have popped up and, and just go a bit more in depth with injectors um, the business the new building the dyno that he's looking to get so it's going to be a great uh, a great chat he's also got a giveaway that they're doing as a company where you can win some really cool stuff so i wanted to ask them about the details on that before we get to it though i want to encourage you guys to join our discord if you're not already on there you're going to find a link down below it's a really cool place for if you're a listener uh, a diesel truck fan to be able to just have one app to be able to network with other people who listen to the same podcast you do to ask us questions share your build get input for you know what kind of turbo injector should you run what kind of transmission build it's really cool we've got it organized into Cummins Duramax power stroke general talk technical information there's tons of different sections on there so I want to see you guys over there make sure you join up say hi tell us about your truck and if there's any questions that you have post up there's a lot of really really great information that uh, our members there are sharing so it's totally free to join it's a great place. And if you're also looking to be able to support the podcast, we've got a link down below to our Patreon. There's some really cool perks that we have for you guys, and it helps us to be able to continue to grow, be able to offer the, uh, you know the information the guests that you want so it's another way we wanted to be able to allow you to be able to influence the podcast with questions topics um, our podcast cover be listed as an executive producer for an episode a lot of cool stuff there so make sure you head on over and join all right let's get to the podcast with lenny and chatting about dynamite diesel product injectors and cool new things they're working on welcome back to the diesel podcast lenny it's cool to chat with you and catch up with you here towards the end of uh, 2021 and um, to kind of recap, you know, some of the other episodes, things that you've chatted you know, with us about this year, and uh, and you know, some cool things you guys have going on. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you.
0: it's been a crazy year, but uh, I'm I'm really stoked that I'm stoked that we're coming up in the holiday season. You know, it's just happier for me. Like I'm wearing my my uh, shitter's full shirt this morning. You know, so <laughs> that's
1: the that's the quintessential Christmas movie. Oh, dude, I love that movie. Like oh, I've seen t- it four times this year. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, I started in June and then just keep watching it. Oh yeah, June and yeah. So it's not a- my favorite movie, but it's my favorite season. And just I like snow. It kind of slows things down. People start to think about what they're doing and why they're doing. It. At least I do, anyways. And uh if you're not prepared for the seasons with you know power being out and traction and snow shovels, then you're you're beat up. But I love it. Like I prepare for it, and I just enjoy the heck out of it. So, kind of stoked. I'm not. I'm not super stoked about building in the snow. This yeah. is my, you know, I'm trying to build a new shop, Dino bay, home, and uh, we had snow out there for about two weeks, but it's gone now. So, the re- you've been reaching out to me for three weeks ish, trying to shoot this a little bit, <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. You've been, you've been busy. <laughs> it's yeah, I haven't been able to do it because whenever we could build we absolutely had to be building. Uh, And then this week with weather being awesome that we've had this week, we crushed it. So we're actually currently we're right now ahead of the materials. So everybody took today off to kind of recharge the batteries, get caught back up. Like I could do stuff like this. Uh, And then Monday, we're going to go out there and start finishing the very last of stuff. And then Tuesday we get trusses delivered. So um, this just today ended up being a perfect day for this podcast and some other stuff to get caught up
1: on. I see on, on Instagram, a lot of the updates with the things you guys are doing with the dynamite diesel, the new building, um, you know, things with your house. And it got me thinking about something with, uh, kind of some of the challenges with automotive and every industry, you know, right now is material supply and all that kind of stuff with the building side. Do you see that as well? Are there, is it harder to get, Um, You know, some still fasteners or, you know, trusses or lumber, you know, different things like that. Uh, It's been
0: hard to get like even so lumber's back down to like 2018, 2019 prices now. Like a thousand board feet of lumber is basically where it was prior to the big price hike. Uh, So it was four times as expensive as it is right now. So by me waiting, we built the dyno bay because our dyno was supposed to be here a long time ago. So I spent the big money on the lumber and built the dyno bay. And now it's just waiting for the dino to finally show up. COVID. Uh, everything's COVID, right? <laughs> so my house, I decided that was a much bigger structure. I would wait a few months because I've been watching the futures of lumber drop. And I knew that it was just a matter of time before, you know, once Lowe's and Home Depot start to drop price, everybody else kind of has to. So with futures dropping, 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 I just held off on buying any lumber until it was finally right again. And because uh, that building, so basically we're, we're building this garage now to start installing and doing videos of like injector installations. And as the future of this industry changes when we start doing a downloader with the set of injectors, we want to build it like, basically for, year, for each make model truck, If it requires a downloader, we're going to dyno it so we can show people like this is why it's important to run this injector package with this downloader. And we're going to shoot to have California Air Restrictions Board numbers on all of that stuff. So people can just buy it as a package and it'll all be dyno proven like on the YouTube kind of a thing, just post it up. And so people can follow along with it. They can understand it and they can understand because the stuff, when you start paying for a tuner to work with you on dyno tuning and gas tuning uh, your injectors with calibration, I'm spending a lot of money on that stuff. Like it's not going to be cheap. And yeah, with back to your original question, freight is immense. So anything that I can buy locally, I'm definitely spending, I may be spending more because it's a local grown wood or whatever, but I'm spending way less on the freight. So I'm supporting my local economy without spending big money on transportation for all, you know, woods, not light. So yeah, transportation, um, screws, fasteners, hurricane clamps, nails. I mean, shoot, I had to eBay, no, no, not eBay had to Amazon nails. So we just, the local suppliers, the local places around here are all out. Um, I'd like to buy spray foam insulation uh, two inch like two to three inches of closed cell spray foam is what I want to use inside the building. And uh, everybody around here basically is out of spray foam. So they're all, they've all got more jobs lined up already than they have spray foam to do the jobs with. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenges to it. Like I, I went to, I just jump on the computer once in a while. I start shopping for things that I know I'm going to need. So my garage doors I bought six months ago, my trusses I bought six months ago, Things like that, that I knew were going to be tough to get. I just bought them a long time ago. So they've been sitting on the property waiting. Yeah, it's, it's been a real challenge, but we're super stoked. Like I'll have a sled pull track. I'll have a dyno and an installation center with like a video area right there. And it's a way, it's going to be basically in my residence So we won't have a bunch of employees with air hammers and, you know, blower guns and things shooting in the background when you're trying to shoot a video, trying to teach somebody how to install their own injectors. So, yeah, we're I'm stoked about it in the next. I'm hoping that the building is done and we're in it in probably March or April. And we did buy uh, a dynamite 6000 series hub dyno, which has been over a year ago. And I got an email this morning saying that that was going to be ready for shipment by January 22nd. So new extrude home machine. Well, I should say abrasive flow machine, which that's really exciting because with the later style trucks, we're dealing with smaller spray holes than ever and extrude home just doesn't go through them. And K factor is critical. So with this AFM machine, we're actually going to be able to get, uh, K factor in holes down to three thousandths of an inch, even smaller probably. Um, so we're we're pretty stoked about that. Uh, it's a fully automated machine with a flow meter integrated in it. And uh, fun little story behind that: we've been using these airflow meters, which are six or eight hundred bucks each, and for years in the comments sections of all these videos that we post up, that airflow meter. Mm-hmm. Trolls and haters, right? Like, oh, you can't do that. That's the stupidest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my new machine, the flow meters in excess of a hundred thousand dollars built into the to the actual AFM stand, right? And they're like, so what do you use to measure flow now? So I explain it to them and they're like, that works. I'm like, it's more accurate than anything that I see from an OEM, you know, like if I, if I take 12 OEM samples And I say, it's a 20 liter minute nozzle. I mean, it's like 19, 20, 21 from the OEM. So we always set it at say 24 or 26 and they run great. So, you know, forever I've heard people hating on this thing but it's worked. And they're like, what unit? I'm like liters of air. And they were like liters per minute. And I'm like, yeah, huh? So we sent them one with our regulator And we sent them some master nozzles labeled how many liters of air it was, right? And I told them, you know, you're going to have to adjust your regulator because my shop air supply is a different pressure than your shop air supply. So adjust it so all my master nozzles read the same LPM as what we've bagged them and tagged them, right? They did it. They changed the units to liters in the new test stand that's super expensive. And they're like, dude, this thing's very Very good. I'm like, no, duh. (laughs) The the cool thing is, there's not only validation from hydraulically that what we've always done has always worked. But now, like in the past, it was like, uh, like I say, an OEM nozzle might be, say, 17 up to like 20 or 22 even. We've always gotten it to a certain number to say 24. And they run great. Well, the new flow meter, they moved, they gave me a decimal point, two size, two, two sides to the right. So if I want say uh twenty-one point seven five LPM, this thing stops automatically at twenty one point seven five. If I want it at twenty-one point five, it stops within one percent of whatever the target set point is. Wow. So one percent of two decimal points to the right. So it's basically exactly perfect now. So we're And Adrian, he was just right next to me in the other office. He leaves Sunday, so two days from now, he flies to Pittsburgh. He jumps. uh, They pick him up from Extrude Home. He'll be with them, I think, Tuesday and Wednesday, working, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then he comes home. Uh, He's he's working with them Monday, Tuesday, and then they come home Wednesday. Uh, And then they're going to bag it, and they're going to put it on a truck and send it out here. That's 3,000 pounds coming from uh, Pittsburgh. So that will probably be eight, 10 grand in shipping right now. So super stoked about that, but not the freight cost, but the tool is going to be awesome. Is uh,
1: is, it, is that kind of precision? Does it tie in together with the things you've talked about on the podcast before, which was you know, one, just the drivability, how smooth the vehicle operates. And then also in with what you had mentioned with carb testing and these packages with, you know, tuning and other things. Is that what this kind of equipment allows you to do is to take, take that precision and apply it towards this whole new frontier of diesel performance or diesel upgrades, which is in the framework of, okay, yeah, this truck has a DPF and EGR on it, but we need to be able to show, you know, with testing that, you know, we're meeting or not exceeding you know factory emissions controls or, you know, whatever the, the limits might be. The reason I asked that, has uh, done some other episodes recently with tuners, um, even engine builders, where they're talking about that same thing is, hey, these products I'm designing, I'm designing them different, or the tuning I'm doing is you know a bit different before it's on my website. I've already got the carb testing done, so I can send this tune to California for a Power Stroke or Cummins or Duramax, or these heads on this engine, they're, they're carb tested already. So if you're in California or Texas or Wyoming, you can order these heads, put them on your truck. You don't have to worry about anything. Right.
0: I, I would say that, politically, we have to start chasing the carb thing like that has to be. And I would say that mechanically, when you're building anything in mass quantity, where like these OEMs are building 6,000, 8,000 injectors every single day, there's a target window where the injector is going to run really good and it's going to gas test. And then at gas tests, they get their carb stamp, they ship it to 50 states, all around the world, and it runs good-ish. And then somebody like me that's driven something that run you know my truck's always when I'm when I say yeah, that truck's done, like you'd get in it and be like, wow, this thing's perfect. like it's so quiet, drives so smooth, has tons of power. Uh, when I get in a stock truck, I'm like <laughs> this is garbage. you know I can think of no matter every single truck that I get in, there's always something about the way that it drives or throttle responds or sounds that I kind of hate. And then I love that because that gives me something to fix. A lot of people aren't chasing horsepower. You know, like back when I started this thing, 175 horsepower to the rear tire is what most trucks came with stock. You give them 400 horsepower, they struggled with transmissions. Transmission technology eats 400 horsepower today with no problem. And still these trucks are now coming with 400, 425 horsepower to rear tire, And dudes are happy. Like they go just fine. So now it's just a matter of like, When that truck gets to be 100, 150,000 miles old, what are they going to put in it? Well, I hope it's my stuff, but I have to make sure that I don't necessarily make more power than them because they're probably pretty happy. But if I can get better fuel economy, if, if I can make their EGR system and their DPF system live longer, that's going to be a win. And if I can get the overall drivability, like the torque under the curve where you're pulling away from a stoplight or you've got a trailer and you're pulling away from a stop sign and the trailer kind of like slows the truck down real bad. If I can get that trailer to move more like the truck moved when it was empty without having to increase the overall horsepower a bunch, people still feel it. They still enjoy it. And fuel economy. I mean, dude, you and I've been doing this podcast together. I've been on your podcast now for two years, just about. And fuel economy has become way more critical today than it was 24 months ago. So, yeah, I mean, if we can save a mile to two miles per gallon on an empty truck and even a half mile to even a mile per gallon on a loaded truck, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like the other day I, I texted you. Somebody had posted on Discord, had you a know, six liter, and he did a video of his cold start with his stock injectors, and it was painful to watch it mm-hmm. try to start. Then he bought a set from you guys. And the thing just fired right up and he was ecstatic just with the the cold start and it's just those are the little things that you know i know we like to as truck enthusiasts we think of that big overall number but the vast majority of people are just they're driving it every day they're hauling something and they're spending most of their time in a certain rpm range and when you feel that improvement there where you're daily driving you're happy
0: yeah you know we're learning stuff basically daily in this building and now that I'm only in this building like one day a week during this whole construction process I come back in we we still have meetings our gym is in this building so I come in catch a workout pretty much every day have a meeting and then I go back to the house to start working on the place right so I'm not completely clueless but the days that I'm here people are walking up with questions and stuff that we've never I've never heard the question before And then we got to figure out the answer. Sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's, we got to ask another person. We got to ask another company, got to ask another corporation. Maybe it's a tool technology we need to ask about. There's just all sorts of stuff, but it's fun for me because like for 15 years ish, it was just me thinking that way by myself. And now I walk in here and there's three, four, five guys thinking that way together and then they come to me and they're like, so here's what we're doing. This is what we're fighting. And it's exciting because I'm kind of a part of something new that is a lot. The challenges are, there's more of them. There's just more brains out there trying to figure out how to do stuff and get the overall start ability, drive ability. Like your buddy, the, the guy that made that that video, that cold start video. Yeah. Basically, the reason that works so good is because at idle... You have to increase atomization. You've got to make the atomization better with smaller droplets in order to get the burn to actually happen. Right. So what we did with those six-liter nozzles, we added two pilot holes, which are probably forty percent the diameter of the factory-size holes. So when it's really cold, with really low uh, like cylinder temperature and really low like hydraulic pressure with the the diesel's not leaving the nozzle very hard at at idle only way to get better atomization is to decrease hole size and add k factor so that's why those things work so bloody good at startup and it the old 12 valve stuff (coughs) excuse me all of it it's our start ability is better than anybody else on the market right now period and i don't care what style of truck it is it just works way better
1: I think the flow of information like YouTube videos you had mentioned, um, you guys do a lot of them that are really, I watch them, you know, I, I just to, to know, or <clears throat> to start thinking about different things, the flow of information is so much more accessible than when I think back 10 or 15 years to where like the truck owners are asking hard questions or I'll see <clears throat> a YouTube comment or an email or, or you know, something on Instagram. I'm like, that's a really good question. I, that has never come up on a podcast. I need to ask Lenny the next time he's on or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. So I think, I think when uh, the truck owners are starting to ask those questions and then, uh, you know, people within your team, you know, are thinking like you, there's just so many cool things, so many awesome things that are happening right now that as this year wraps up, look into uh, 2022 is you know, diesel's extremely, I think it's extremely well positioned in in a lot of respects to be able to grow with, as you'd mentioned, like the political framework of, you know, does this part have carb testing? But then also I think today's truck owners are more demanding than they were back in 94 or 95 with, you know, the 175 horsepower 12 valve, yeah. what they want. So it's cool to see it, it merge together with what you're doing there at Dynamite Diesel.
0: You know, the the people even outside of this building, everybody in the common rail arena, I've been in this industry longer than common rail has been in this industry. So when it first came out, it was like, oh, my Lord, that injector has like little, you know, it's, it's controlled electronically by an ECM. And people were scared to even touch them, thinking they were going to cost, you know, thousands of dollars each. Um, the, the trucks ran good. They didn't run great. And they've gotten way better throughout the years. But if we take technology of injectors that we're building today and put them in a, a brand new a uh, 2003 Cummins or a LB7 Duramax that was brand new the truck like would be a totally different story just driving it if you could find a 1000 mile old LB7 and we put a brand new set of our like 50 horse injectors in it and just drove it back to back it'd be mind blowing the quietness the start ability throttle response fuel economy the the later technology with all these cool tools And I'm not trying to take claim for all that myself. Like we do a lot of experiments, but the tools that we're using are so much better. Like we, the dyno is going to be wicked because basically the dyno is rated at 6,000 horsepower. And I know that I'm never going to see 6,000 horsepower to the rear hubs. But if I do a data log from here all the way up to Montana and it takes me an hour and a half, And I get to on the data log, I can see where my throttle increase goes up and the the torque goes up. I'm going to assume that that's the bottom of the pass going up to uh, the ski resort. From that point on, I could simulate for, say, 15 minutes that entire test drive all the way up the pass with this new dyno. So we had to buy an overkill. Otherwise, they would just get overheated very, very quickly, and I wouldn't be able to simulate that. But when you're in a shop and you can, sp- you can hook up, say, like uh, a specific flow meter that's going back to the gas tank to measure return and a specific flow meter that's going to the engine to show exactly how much fuel you're using, if we can tune either the injector or the fueling map to optimize fuel economy without having to fight wind or you know, if you and I make the exact same drive three different times, it's not the same drive because we get caught behind different traffic. Yeah. Have to stand on the gas pedal to pass somebody. So if we're trying to be very precise on what we're actually doing with fuel economy, you can't fight things like wind resistance or, or just stuff on the street. You can't. So this new dyno, when it comes right down to how good things are going to operate and how accurate things are going to be, the new dyno just had to be. And then we also, so we've got the new flow meter coming, be here in two weeks, training starts in three days. Uh, we've got another test stand coming and this test stand has rate shape and it has nozzle response time in it. So when I went to look at the test stand, I took them a great big injector because they claim this thing will flow up to a thousand mm cubed. And I kind of giggled because ours were, ours are big test stands and it doesn't do that not accurately. Like, could I say it to do it? Yeah, sure. But would it, it'd kill other stuff. So this, this new test stand, they're claiming, Oh yeah, thousand mm's cube. No problem. Easy. All day, every day. I took him an injector and this is a big injector. They put it in the stand, he hit go. And for about two and a half seconds, it was going bam, 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 like somebody was inside of a metal box trying to get out with a hammer. Right. And the guy hit stop really quick and he goes, well, What's wrong? Nothing. What do you mean nothing? I'm like, push go again. Let it eat. That's what it's going to sound like. (laughs) That's going to sound like that. I'm like, let it eat. So he hits go. And it's bam, 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 bam. bam. And it won't make rail pressure. I'm like, "Mm, that's cute. (laughs) The injector's good. And it won't make rail pressure. So he had stop. Uh, is this injector got like a blown internal seal? Nope. What pump is that? Well, it's a pump off an Iveco truck. Cool. It was at 800 RPM is what the pump speed was set at. I'm like, turn up the pump speed. Okay. Turn it up to 900. He's like, well, I've never had to do that before. Okay. (laughs) Turn on the hit go and it bam, 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 bam. And then it starts when they're dry, they sound really horrible. And it gets a little better. And the rail pressure kind of comes closer to where it was set at. I'm like, stop. Turn it up. He's like, what? Turn it up. You got a stock pump, man. We were on 12 millimeter stroker pumps in our stands. Really? Yep. Turns it up to a thousand. Hits go. Bam, 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 bam. Starts to get quieter. Rail pressure comes in. There's two dudes standing there that are staring at me like, this is normal to you? like, every day, buddy, every day <laughs> run the injector. And it's, I think at their stand, it was 575 mm cubed at uh, 160 MPA, 1100 US. It's like standard. I use that here often. And they're like, holy smokes, this thing's huge. So, I, you know, end of test. And I go, now, wait a minute. You're trying to sell me on the super expensive test stand that does all this super cool stuff. You both just shit your pants. Because you have never seen an injector pump this hard. But you're telling me that your stand is going to pump 425 more mm cubed than this one already does. And they're like, well, dude, the thing is, is like when you test locomotive injectors, this, that, and the other, it's totally different. I'm like, uh-huh. But you never had to turn up the pump. I don't care how you get there, how physically big the injector is or isn't that's MM's cubed. You've never tested a thousand CC injector. And they're like, well, no. Okay. Well, let's, let's be honest. Like I, I want to buy something that and they're going to work with me. It's going to be great. Having rate shape is going to be huge. When they were done testing that injector, they grabbed another one. And the one like myself and one of the guys walked away and let the other guy kind of play with the injectors for a while. And he comes over and he's like, you guys got to check this out. All right, we walk over there and he's showing me nozzle response time. I'm like 40 uh, microseconds faster than a stock injectable fire, which basically 40 is no time at all. Uh, They were impressed by that. And then rate shape was absolute perfect. Like they've never seen nothing like that. And they're like, how did you do this? Like you can hear it. You can't hear rate shape, sir. (laughs) Apparently I can. (laughs) What do you mean i'm like i could make that rate shape look like dog shit in five minutes how like i learned it well, you've never seen rate shape no i've never physically seen it with my eyes but i can hear it and when i hear it and i put a set in the truck and they run like garbage i know that that's not how they're supposed to sound so it's been a multiple year process of learning it the hard way having rate shape when we can burn our own nozzles is going to speed up that that learning curve on any new parts Cause whole location, whole placement in the nozzle changes rate shape, whole diameter and what the body can pump changes rate shape. Like it's a big deal, but that with the OEMs and the, the carb testing rate shape is going to be a very, very, very big deal for us. Will it help our performance industry? Absolutely. But this is all, we're spending a lot of money. So in the future, people just have the best running injectors that they could dream of buying. That's really what we're after.
1: This reminds me of the injector trade-in program. And, you know, you'd mentioned finding a thousand mile O3 common rail or LB7 and being able to put, you know, 50 horsepower injector set in it. It's a night and day difference. Well, someone may not have a thousand mile LB7, you know, might <clears throat> might be a hundred thousand miles or 75,000, but they can get that, get the updates that are available now, which you're able to do with injectors and put them in their older truck, which there's you know vastly more of those than there are you know, 2021s that that are out there just by the production runs. So that's what I think is really cool too, is if you have an older truck, you can still take advantage of the uh, the advancements in uh, oh, absolutely. injector yeah. technology, make it run how you want.
0: That The injector trade-in program, the number, there was a very close first and second place for what was being traded in, and I'm not going to pick on the brands, but there was two brands in specific that were – first and second place, like within a set or two most common stuff wanted to get traded in. And it's inexpensive. It's supposed to be an improvement over factory stuff, but they're just, they're not good parts. And people had to learn that the hard way often, like how many sets those guys have sold compared to how many of them got traded in was, I guarantee we got less than 1% traded in than they've ever sold. So that means 99% of their stuff still out there running like that badly. So yeah, and, the, and that was all mechanical style, mechanical style stuff, um, which reminds me VP44, still an absolute huge seller, which mind blows me because it was 98 and a half to 2002 Dodge truck only. And we're still selling well in excess of hundred sets of those per month like five sets a day kind of a thing. It's crazy. (laughs) And that was only four years. Yeah. So imagine when, when all of the six, seven Cummins, which has been made since Oh, seven and a half, uh, that injector is basically the exact same clear out to like 18. When those things start to hit, like I'm going to be a 65 year old man. And those are finally going to be like our five, nine common rail program. Now where we're selling hundreds of those every week. So Yeah. Like the future, you know, people are talking about electric vehicles and all this stuff, and that's great. But at the end of the day, you plug in an electric vehicle to a wall and it uses a fuel to charge itself. Diesel, coal, hydro, wind, it uses some sort of energy to charge it. And you're never going to see a Tesla towing a boat for longer than 50, 75 miles, probably. Otherwise the batteries, you know, with today's technology and batteries, they just don't have enough capacity to move a boat or your ATV trailer or whatever very long. So I would say that the diesel stuff is still gonna be a a hot seller for a very long time. I would honestly say that if OEMs could get people in, in the, you know, at the federal level to listen, that diesel would become the more popular fuel over gasoline. Because if we're truthfully trying to save the resources and save the planet, we should be using less of something, not more. I don't understand why people would buy a three-quarter ton Ford Chevy Dodge truck and get 7 to 12 miles per gallon versus the same size physical truck that, I mean, these newer trucks with all these multi-speed transmissions, they're getting 15, 17 miles per gallon. That's not bad for a full-size truck. Yeah. With Every creature, you know, I'd rather live in most trucks than I would houses now.
1: What's well, really interesting, you mentioned that. I saw an article from Ford recently about the uh, F-250, 350, and it was about uh, an electric power plant for it. And just that they didn't have plans to do that because the tow rating for it would be not much better, if at all, than an F-150. And right. so they were, you know, just kinda, kind of, uh, you know, in that, how those trucks are used if ever i mean i, I don't know if you could, i don't know if you could have electric power and that just due to the weight of the batteries and all the sorts of things and just doesn't seem as as uh, a pressing as you know like a passenger car and, and having electric you know tesla or you know something like that okay but you know in these bigger trucks there's just so much torque and till rating and everything that goes into them they're going to be around for a while yeah
0: well i mean if you look <clears> at like uh, camp trail that my grandma and grandpa used to take the family and go camping in there there was no room there was only room enough for two people grandma and grandpa and then if you took the the kitchen table and dropped it down you could get two of the grandkids there everybody else slept outside in a tent (laughs) there was no slide outs there was no tip outs it was a bumper pull behind like a f100 with a rv cam and high compression pistons the thing probably got four miles to the gallon tow in that trailer, and it was a tiny trailer. If you put that behind any Ford, Chevy, or Dodge today and drug it down the highway, the truck could barely even know it was back there. But this is America and everybody's gotta have at least two, three, or possibly four slide outs. They've got a toy box with a side-by-side in the back. They've got an extra gas can underneath the bottom of it with a gas pump on it, so when they get there, They can just fill the razor for the next three days without ever moving the camp trailer. It's got a generator in it, it's got two air conditioning units on it. You can, you know, the whole city block of kids could sleep inside there. There's bunk beds everywhere that they're huge. So, welcome to America, America. (laughs) Like, but it's, you know, all that being said, even with diesel costing, let's say it creeps up to five bucks a gallon, still cheaper. Than putting your whole family on an airplane and flying to Mexico or Hawaii, you just jump in the family truckster, throw the camp trailer behind there, throw the ATVs in there, and go to the sand dunes. Go go to the mountains. Still cheaper than flying across the country.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting to see um, how just that whole transition, or, or I'd say the. I don't know where it came from it just seems like this the electric vehicle push just kind of came out of nowhere um and i know when it first came out you know i see on youtube especially on any diesel video you know guys will talk about um how you know they're never going to drive an electric truck and and different things like that but as far as the actual practicality of it um i just i just don't see it I don't see it happening, but I do, you know, where it has changed a lot and we've touched on it in this podcast is working within the framework of emissions. And I think back five or six years ago, there wasn't a whole lot that you could, if you wanted to keep, you know, the truck with the DPF EGR, all that stuff, there weren't a lot of things you could get now. Whereas, you know, here, there's, there's injectors now, or they're going to be, you know, coming up there's, there's tuning, there's, Turbo kits, there's all these sorts of things where you can get this extra performance out of this truck. And and uh, it, it's just really exciting to see how that progress is, has taken place. And gosh, I remember, I don't remember if it was 2020 in January we sat down, or maybe, I think it was. And we were talking about this. I can't believe two years have gone by so fast, but just you know, the things you're telling us about on this podcast, you know, I, I never thought that, um, you know, the kind of precision. And the things that you're able to do and the ways that these trucks can run would be here already and i think well what about next year we're we going to be at next december when we chat you know what what uh, what kind of new things and new developments are going to be out there
0: so the first podcast we ever did i remember it because i was sitting at home because i wanted to be you know quiet background and uh one yeah. you know it was my first podcast i'd ever done it was huge so i was like man i want this to turn out good and I remember warning everybody about deleting their trucks and how they yeah. were going to completely destroy the resale value. And I felt like I walked out my front door and people were throwing stones at me. But we're 24 months later and everybody now agrees. Like, that's just a bad idea.
1: Yeah.
0: And locally, there's a shop. And uh, I swung in there two, three weeks ago. Introduce myself because the shop's always busy and we've never sold any parts. And I just, hey man, let me read my Diesel. And they're like, oh yeah, we know who you are. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm two miles down the street. So if you need anything, hit us up. We'll help you out. All right, great. I Then my electrician has a friend, a neighbor, and uh, the neighbor goes to his buddy that owns a tranny shop. The DPF and his six, seven Cummins went bad. He calls me and he goes, hey man, so your friend, the electrician is my friend. He said, you'd help me out. I will. What can I do for you? Well, we just put a new DPF in my truck and this one's already going bad. I'm like, the other one didn't go bad either. The injectors went bad, which killed the DPF. And now you're killing the newbie DPF with the injectors. What? Yeah, it's it's a response time thing. If the injector on time is delayed, then it's still going to complete its cycle, but it's happening at a later time and it's putting more black smoke into the DPF. And the DPF having to capture it. And it's going to go through more regens frequently. Oh, come in. We gave him a bottle of Power Max, which is a really strong injector cleaner. Of course, the truck's older than it was like a 08, 09 truck. So it's getting old. And I'm like, you need to clean the environment. The whole fuel system has to be cleaned. So you're going to pour this can in it. You're going to drive it about three or 400 miles. You're going to put another fuel filter in it. He goes, we just put a fuel filter in it. I said, you're going to put another one in it. The guy sent me a picture and he's like, dude, this fuel filter is a week old. I'm like, told you, because the fuel system had to get cleaned out. And that fuel filter catches all that garbage. So even though it was just a few hundred miles old, it caught all the garbage that was in the system, puts a new fuel filter in it. The DPF during that tank quit regening like it was doing. The next tank, it starts regening. I sent him to that shop that I was just telling you about. They called me up and they're like, hey, man, this guy's kind of want to delete this truck. And I'm like, man, I, I'm not getting involved in none of that. But he just bought a DPF. Why would you delete it? Well, you know, he's just thinking it'd be less work. I'm like, the guy needs a set of injectors. And they're like, what? What do you mean these injectors? I'm like, it needs injectors. Contribution rates look good. I understand, but they're all late. I explained it to him and he was like, you've done this before." I'm like, dude, I've done it for Dodge dealerships. Because <laughs> we've done a lot of injector testing for Chrysler. So they would send in injectors with the only complaint truck goes into regen way too frequently, tear the injectors apart, wash every single part and piece, put them back together, clean, recalibrate them, send them back to the Dodge dealership, DPF situation problem fixed. Write that down.
1: It's all, it's all related. You know, it's all so, so closely where, like, like you mentioned, or like what the shop had mentioned, it was always that easy way of, well, you know, just go this route, but it's really not addressing the problem. And I think that's where a lot of the R and D and the testing and the things, you know, that, that, uh, that you've mentioned on the podcast, you know, come into play. And I, I had seen on Instagram the other day that you guys have a really cool giveaway. I thought it was uh really cool. I wanted to have you tell our listeners about it and how people get entered and you know, what the prizes are for it. So I'm really big on
0: Christmas. My kid's super big on Christmas. Like we drive everybody around here nutty because Christmas music starts on like October and <laughs> she starts watching elf. She never quits watching elf. And I legitimately start watching Christmas vacation in October. Cause I feel like Halloween's coming, which automatically means that Christmas is coming. So it's kind of the same time to me. Uh, but then we really like the holidays. We enjoy you know, things like that. Just the whole, everything about holidays just makes us happy. So, so we do at our Christmas party here, like internally for the employees, we have like this, I bought this Tumblr a long time ago and we put everybody's name and tickets on there. We've got that gym. So we would, we would start with like MEPs. So a MEP is a unit of calories that's burnt by my zone. And for every Met that they had burned in that month, we would put a bunch of tickets in there with that guy's name on it, giving him that many chances to win, right? So we'd give out TVs or coolers or barbecues or what have you at the Christmas party. And this year I was like, man, we should do the same thing, but I want, any of my customers are welcome to come here to the shop so we can show them what we do. And I figured if I could get somebody from, hopefully whoever wins is from like Indiana or Ohio or Texas, so they can come here and, and see what a mountain looks like covered in snow, jump on, you know, on a gondola and go for a ride up the mountain and see something totally different. But then it's also 50 minutes from my shop. So if they can hang out here and, you know, walk around and talk to the employees and hang out with all of us for a half day, it'd be just a, a super cool experience for like... So basically, yeah, anybody who buys a set of injectors in the month of December, has to go to our website with proof of purchase from wherever they bought them from. I don't care who you bought them from. Proof of purchase. We enter you with a raffle ticket into this Tumblr. And then first place is a trip to Silver Mountain. We're going to cover your your flight or if you drive here, whatever you want to do, we'll cover that. We're going to cover the two-day experience up at Silver Mountain, like get them a condo kind of a thing so they can hang out up there and yeah, you know, they may not go skiing. They might just ride the gondola to the top, hang out, have lunch, turn around, come down, and then just walk around town. It's just, it's going to be a cool experience. And like I say, it's an hour away from here. So we, we hope that whoever it is comes to the shop, hangs out with us, goes to lunch with us. Uh, and then second prize is a uh, Louisiana grill, like a smoker kind of a thing. So it's one of their bigger ones, about a $1,200 smoker. And that's second place. And then third place is another Louisiana grill. And it's about a, it's a smaller, kind of a more portable unit. It's about five or 600 bucks retail. So it's just a good way for us to try and get people, whether it's a wife buying something for her husband or a husband buying something for himself, it's a good time to buy injectors if you want to try and win some stuff. Like that was kind of my thought with it. End of the year, let's do something fun.
1: Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And especially go hang out, you know, up there at, you know, on a mountain snow and I'd I'd want to go to check out the shop and just (laughs) hang out and see what you guys are, see what you guys are working on. But I thought that was, it was really cool. And you know, with, um, with all the injectors, like you mentioned that people are buying them for VP 44 trucks and common rails and all those sorts of things. It's a really cool way to, you know, it's winter time know, get your truck ready for next year, get a set of injectors and then, you know, be entered to win some, some cool stuff. So I thought that was, uh, that was pretty awesome.
0: You know, Every time I go anywhere, I think to myself, oh, my God, supply chain issues, you know, bring back America, like all these things. Right. Like I've got I'm not even going to start, but I've got a ton <laughs> of expressions that I say under my breath and uh, injectors, nozzles. We red labeled. We needed these injectors very, very, very badly. And they we screwed up. We didn't ship out what we needed in time to get these back. I needed them. So I'm like, just put them in a, I just need them tomorrow. It was a box of 36 injectors. So not the day they showed up, but the day after Devin comes walking out and she's like, Hey guys, what in the ever loving hell did we need these injectors this badly for? And I kind of look at her. I'm like, they were, you know, like 36, six sets. They were basically all sold. They're gone. And she goes, What do you figure UPS cost on that? I'm like, I don't know, two, three hundred bucks. $1,300 for a box that was this big overnight. I was mind blown. So ever since then, I've been watching our our shipping charges and everything's going up. So nozzles. We don't dare put them on a boat and let them sit at a shipping dock right now because they could be there from a month to six months. And I can't tell my customers, you're gonna get your stuff when I get your stuff. So we're flying it in, not cheap. We have it, but we're having to fly it in because it goes through customs a lot faster when it jumps off an airplane, right? So it's much smaller boxes, much more frequently on an airplane. Um, Our VP 44 injectors, those are on a scheduled order with about a 12 month advance. We just got those in. I've got 8,000 VP44 injectors right now. I don't love it. Like that's a lot of inventory sitting out there, but I, I, what I really don't love is picking up the phone. Hi, dynamite diesel. Sorry. We don't have that. I hate yeah.
1: that way worse. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Lots of major challenges, the freight side of things right now with everything and, and the the cost with it, not just the time, but, you know, the extra cost and getting material and products and things like that.
0: Yeah. It's insane, dude. Like it is control valves. We've got injector testing has gone up by, I mean, it used to be five to 10 sets a day. It's legit 15, 20 sets every day right now. And most of them, no, not most of them. Half of them are injectors that were recently purchased from somebody else that run like garbage. You tear them apart and they got used control valves in them. Why are they doing that? Because that's all people have. We were forward thinking enough that we bought tons of control valves. So we're not out of them yet, but in a few months I'll be out of them. So, but you can't rebuild an injector and use a used control valve. That's not a rebuilt injector. I'm sorry. Have a nice day. That's somebody else's used core. Have a nice day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with um before the podcast you were chatting with us a little bit about uh about an engine um that chase fleece had and and this this billet set up and i wanted to ask you more about that i didn't see it i've kind of been in a in a, in a podcast kind of cave focusing on guests and episodes and stuff and and i missed it but but i wanted to ask you about that
0: uh super excited about that like Derek rose very fun to work with because he slaves. Like he works extremely hard and you'll never see Derek showing up unprepared. He shows up ready to rock. Chase Fleece, probably the biggest, he's the most strict guy that I know in this industry when it comes to data and changing one thing at a time. There's never two things changed. It's one thing at a time. And he is extremely strict about that. So uh, Ryan Milliken, tuning it, flew into Chase's place. They put together one of their, their, the first running billet block that they've ever built. They got a aluminum Wagler head, put some pistons in it, got this thing running. And uh, Derek was there and they call and they're like, we're going to take this thing for a, a test drive down the dyno today. I'm like, cool. And they did and uh, it made 2000 and changed 2000. 150 ish. Don't quote me. It's not exact, but it's close. And they were like, well, hey, man, we could make more, but it's going to take more microseconds than we want to run. Okay. Are those the injectors you guys have been running in the blue truck for five years? Yeah. The ones that I was told every single season not to alter just to freshen up. Yeah. Well, they're tiny, they're small. So everybody else that we sell injectors to has bigger injectors, you need that. Well, we're using this new ECM and we need the data laid out like this, like hold it, hold, 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 hold. check the brakes. Just put the stuff in that we sell to everybody else and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Built them a set of injectors. They had them the next day. It's a 106 millimeter um, Garrett turbo that's modified by uh, forced inductions, I believe. Got a big turbine wheel in it. Got a 106 mil compressor wheel in it. I think the compressor wheels changed as well, but it's a Garrett GT55 frame. And on fuel only, single turbocharger, thing made like 20, 2460, I think. And again, at very low microseconds with very good EGTs, cylinder pressure is amazingly low because there's no advance on the timing. It just works. So now they're out of air. And Chase ordered up a turbo from—I don't remember who it was—but it was a bit bigger turbo. And basically, what the goal is now with cast iron blocks, we've come to the limit where the cast iron with the deck plate and the girdles, there's not enough column strength in the block to hold it all together. So if shit's not perfect, if it's not dialed in, and if you get a bit carried away on the nitrous accidentally or or because you were just trying to be a cowboy, you split the block in half, and that could kill somebody someday. Whether it's on a dyno or going down a track, somebody could die, and I don't want none of that. With the billet blocks, they're going to be a lot more column strength. They're a lot thicker. They're going to take a lot more cylinder pressure. Period. So it's a very exciting time for us. All of us in the in the hot rod diesel industry should be stoked about this because on a single turbo, that thing's making twenty five hundred horsepower. Um, it just needs more air, and it's going to make more. So you know. I've been asked several times, what's our goal here? We're in new ground. Like we, we don't really know what the goal is until every time we move the bar up a little higher based on how the motor is responding and and what we're having to shove in it to make it happen. But uh, I had another guy big into sled poles. Um, he's like, man, can you build an injector for 3000 horsepower? And I giggle, oh yes. No, I'm serious. Can you make it like 3000 horsepower? I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, it's not a problem. If you're brave enough to build the motor and he's he's built super stock stuff using the mechanical style stuff, and that stuff drives like garbage, you watch all of that mechanical farmer power super stock stuff come up, it's and it goes like the wind, right? Well, there's no drivability in that. If you're drag racing at the track and you break traction for a, a quarter of a second, the guy with 300 horsepower, less than you, that didn't break traction, drives away, gets the trophy, takes your girlfriend. And in sled pulling, if you could come out softer and go from zero to 150 feet quicker than everybody else, you're carrying more inertia, so you're going to get further down the track in a shorter or shorter amount of time. So if we can control and drive. The super stocks better and better and better every year. That's what's gonna start winning classes. Right now, the superstock, they're making so much bloody horsepower. It's the driver and the line. Like the driver is the most critical feature to that truck right now because they've all got 3000 horsepower and they don't have near enough traction. So if we can get a common rail that drives really easy start, you push a button and it starts like a stock truck, it's going to work. And then it's going to be oh traction control you're cheating it's not going to be none of that it's going to be hi hey, technology it works
1: <laughs> yeah that is really exciting to to see where where that uh, where that billet block goes it's just crazy to think that in such a short amount of time the power and technology is exceeded what the block can handle <laughs> yeah yeah superstar
0: like it we needed it. The, yeah. the industry, you know, UCC comes out and it challenges a bunch of shops and a bunch of aftermarket places like us and everybody else to really step up the game because we had a platform that everybody was going to watch for one weekend. And here we are five years later, I would give the UCC a ton of credit for technology. Uh, it's also exhausting. And now with UCC going to two trucks this year, like a sled pull truck, plus whatever you want to bring for drag race and dynoin you can have two trucks. It's not the ultimate call out challenge anymore. Now it's like the ultimate team challenge. So I think that's going to ruin a bunch of the people that don't have the ability to haul two trucks across the, you know, cause it's a lot of these people are traveling well over a thousand miles to get there. Yeah. So to haul two trucks is going to be very, uh, not interesting to a lot of people's checkbooks.
1: Definitely costs some money and, and time, you know, and, and resources put it together. But, uh, and it's always uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Lenny, and I love catching up. You know, on the year and um, gosh, I can't believe 2022 is <laughs> like what three weeks away or four weeks away, and it's gonna be a, gonna be a whole new year. But uh, it's really cool to see what you've done with injectors and, and being able to push them. And it's it's really at the heart, I think, of uh, what we want to do to these trucks and, and the way to upgrade them. And you touched on it a bunch of different places with you know like that that truck uh, that was eating DPFs. Well, you know, that's the drivability or these packages you had mentioned with, um, you know, with tuning It's being able to put a set together that, you know, has, um, you know, that's tested, that's carb tested or emissions tested. And so I know the uh, all the enthusiasts out there appreciate the things that you're doing with fuel technology, ejector technology and, and giving us what we want, which is a little bit more power, a little bit more torque, better drivability, a little bit better fuel mileage. Who doesn't want that?
0: everybody should want it. And it's, this is going to be a great year because having, when I tell people like I used to hate like the smoke and mirrors, like when I first started diesel, there was just a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like it was a lot of bullshit from some old dude that didn't really want to tell you anything. And now when people are like, how come your stuff runs better? It's like, well, I, I can hear it in the stand. To me, that's very smoke and mirrors kind of bullshitty, but you actually get to hear stuff that runs right and runs wrong there's a truck 40 feet from me right now and that truck's getting a motor put in it. We're doing that because we need to hear how our injectors sound like not just in the stand, but how they run in the truck. So yeah, but all of those things that I'm hearing, there's a number attached to them. So nozzle response time is going to be one of them and rate shapes going to be another one. And in the future, we're going to have actual data. Like here's what they sound like. If nozzle response time is, 500 microseconds later than stock. Here's what it sounds like when it's on time. And here's what it sounds like when it's a little bit, you know, quicker than stock. Those numbers will be awesome because those adjustments are in the injector. We can calibrate the injector right there. So the new test stand is just going to help us get recipes even tighter dialed in. It's this technology and where we're at. What a fantastic time. It's a great time to be alive.
1: (laughs) again appreciate your time today lenny and uh chatting with us we'll catch up with you here after the holidays and see what other cool things that uh that you've been working on and yeah, hopefully, buddy. That, well, hopefully that dino hits on the 22nd or 25th well, merry right? christmas Yep, yeah, you as well yeah buddy have a good one see ya don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to the link down below. If you'd like to join our discord, be able to chat with us, other podcast fans, diesel truck enthusiasts, it's a great place to be able to do that. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of our Patreons, Texas Diesel Supply and Rights Diesel Services. We appreciate their support and all of our Patreons, all of the 300 plus members on our discord and all of you that listen every week and, uh, you know, watch on YouTube or listen on any of the podcast apps, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate your support and look forward to being able to bring you some really cool episodes as we head into 2022 until next time keep the shiny side up